Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Who was here last Sunday? Can you raise a hand so I just get a... Wow. Please, if you can download last week's teaching as it was kind of where our, we as a leadership feel God is taking us as a church. And I don't want to keep doing that every Sunday. This morning I feel impassioned to talk about the other main reason you're here at church today. And his name is Jesus. On my way to church last Sunday, I said to Janet, Wow, babes, 30 years later, you know, since we took up a calling in the ministry, what were we thinking? No, I didn't say that. I said, what, why? What was the reason? And it's very obvious. We had an encounter with Jesus, fell in love with him, in the process wanted to see other people fall in love with him, and come into his family called the church and be instrumental in seeing people built up. His name is Jesus. So, I want to talk a bit about Jesus this morning. And I want to go back to the old covenant and say that in Exodus, God appears to Moses and says, you go tell Pharaoh, he better let my people go. And Moses, stammering and stuttering, says, but God, who am I? And who shall I say sent me? And the voice came from God saying, I am. Tell him, I am. Has sent me. Then we cross over into the new covenant and we see Jesus is at a well with a Samaritan woman against contrary customs, as Jesus loved doing. And while he's there, she says after discussion, when Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all things. And Jesus says to her, He who is speaking to you, I am. Jesus couldn't fully disclose his deity because that would have closed the doors that he came to open. It was only after the cross. The miracle is that Jesus was born like any other human through a birth channel into a working environment as a builder, dirty hands. Got a group of men around him for three years, murdered, buried, resurrected. And then the miracle of 2,000 years later, he came to my life and to your life and to your life. And he will return again in heavenly glory. But Jesus is here in his body, alive and well on planet Earth. And I want to take you through a few of his I am. And the first one is in John chapter 6 and verse 35, where it says, and the verse should come up now, John 6 verse 35, where it says, John 6 verse 35, where it says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Say bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes 
will never thirst. You know, from time to time, we get a spiritual hunger for something meaningful in life. We get a spiritual desire for significance or purpose or whatever you want to call it. And we can look in the wrong places to find that significance and meaning. Jesus said, I'm the one who can satisfy your need for fulfillment. That feeling of satisfaction. Not like the Rolling Stones who said, I can't get no. How did you know? But Jesus came and said, I'm the one who can satisfy you. I'm the bread of life. Is it meaning you want? Is it significant you want? Let me satisfy you. Don't rely on other people to satisfy what only God can satisfy. You see, the moment we look to people to satisfy my need to do something or be in something or, or be in worship or be in a position at work or whatever it is, the moment I'm looking to people to satisfy a need, you see, if you've got a need, it means God's got the solution and the answer to it. You wouldn't have a need for something if there wasn't something to meet it in the universe. But it's God who meets your need. And when you look to people, you'll be dissatisfied. You'll be disappointed. You won't be satisfied. Secondly, Jesus says in John 8 verse 12, and He spoke to them again and He said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Are you in a situation right now where you're feeling like you can't see beyond the next cat's eye in the road? And you're just chugging along in the mist. Jesus says, I can light up your life. I can illuminate your future so that you can see with clarity. Jesus wants to be not just a little flicker. He wants to be a blazing spotlight in our life. He also said, you are the light of the world. As a believer, wherever you go, darkness is challenged. It has to flee. You can never switch darkness on and light leaves the room. You can only switch light on and darkness leaves the room. When you walk into your office, my friend, light has just arrived. When you arrive at school, light has just manifest. And light drives out the works of darkness. Light drives out Satan, the enemy. The Bible doesn't say, you know, ignore the devil and he will flee from you. It says resist the devil. You resist him by being the light. Knowing who you are in Christ. Knowing who Christ is in you. That is the light. And in Christ's light, there is no load shedding. Amen. Praise God for that. This light keeps burning. I heard a story the other day. Oh, I saw a picture of, of someone who saw green mamba in their house and they're following it to the golf club. And they cornered it in the bedroom. And it was like late at night and they had their golf club ready and the lights went out. Are you feeling like you need illumination in your life? Jesus says he is the light. Thirdly, in John 10 verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, no, one back, number three, thank you. 
he will be saved and will go in. I am the door. You see, doors enable us to go from one situation into another situation. And the spiritual doors in our life are often closed either because we're still learning what needs to be learned to get into that, through that door. And the Lord, is it possible that He loves us too much at times not to let us into through a door just because He wants to protect us? Could it be possible that, you know, when God closes the doors, we try and climb through the windows? Is it possible that the door can be closed because God is trying to do something? Well, then we don't have to resign with the fact that the door's closed. We just have to say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? I want to walk through this door. God is willing for you to walk through that door. Right now, you might be standing at a brick wall and nothing seems to open and you're desperate to break through into another level. You're desperate to move into that other situation. You, you're tired of this loneliness or whatever it is and you know that there is another place to be in God and He says, I'm the way you're going to get there. Not through your cleverness, not through your ingenuity, but Jesus says, I am the door and not only does he illuminate our path, not only does he satisfy us, but he is a door that no man can shut. He is the door that no man can shut. Are you looking to Jesus to be that door? Or are you looking to a person to be that door? I shared at the beginning of the year, some of you are here, about my, uh, one of my stepmothers. I'm not sure on which side it was or... Um, Okay. Anyway, I told the story. You remember the story? She goes, she, she, stay, she gets into a lift and she pushes a button and then it stops and she hears voices and she bumps on the door and says, open, it's jammed. And she bumps and she starts panicking and then she feels someone touch her on the shoulder and she turns around and the lift had opened on the other side. You see, sometimes we face with a situation that we just got to get one word from God. Hey, turn around. There's another word for it. It's called repent. Hello? Anybody out there? Repent means to change the way you're thinking about something and believe that God's way is better than your way. Because it doesn't take you a degree in theology to discover that God is much cleverer than you and me. It doesn't take us a degree to realize that what God wants for us is for our good and our blessing and our favor. But he says, I'm the door. And when you, you walk through me, you walk into pastures. You walk into favor. You walk into increase. But if you just keep banging up against the wrong door because you refuse to turn around, you will stand there for the next 40 years, go in circles, and die in the wilderness. Hello? Jesus says, I am the door. Number four. In John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the highlands. You see, it's Jesus who's our shepherd. He's contrasting here with highlands, people who just come in for benefit, but then don't really love the sheep. And it's him who's saying, I am not just a shepherd, but I'm the true shepherd. You want to be led in your life? Let a true shepherd lead you. Yes, he puts shepherds in his body to lead. But you know, 
if you're looking to people to always lead you, and you don't allow those people to lead you to the one who can lead you, you're going to stay a baby for the rest of your life, needing another prophetic word, needing to go to this seminar, or that conference, or this thing, or because oh God, you know, I want God to show me something. Why don't you actually just go to the one who says, I'm your shepherd? Who is the shepherd? What is the shepherd's role? Jesus says, I am your good shepherd. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. I know what's good for you. And by the way, this picture of the broken leg and oh, Jesus' shoulder, that came in in about the 5th century. Some monk came up with that analogy and it hung around. Jesus ain't going to break your legs. Come on now. I'm sorry to dispel your years of deep theological learning. But he's a shepherd. He leaves the 99 and he goes and he looks for you. And he puts a hook in your mouth and he pulls it. And if you run away, he looses it. He lets you go. And then then he pulls you, feels you. Back again. Ah. And then he, he is the one who leaves to go and find. He is the shepherd. He doesn't gate crash your party, but he keeps knocking on the door. Let me tell you, he's knocking on the door of this church right now. He's knocking on the door of some people's hearts. And he's saying, I'm the good shepherd. Stop waiting for the next prophetic word. The next time somebody comes to you and says, well, God has showed me you're going to go and do this and do this, do that. Say, oh, wonderful. Thank you for that. I'm going to go speak to my shepherd and see what he says. Hello? fifth one. John 11 verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, though he die, he shall live. What a beautiful passage. Because we've all been at the bedside of loved ones who are slipping in to eternity. Paul the Apostle says, we grieve, but we don't grieve like those who've got no hope. There's a grieving process. And in that grieving process, we should cry. And in that grieving process, we should get angry. And in that grieving process, we might have some doubts. But we don't continue grieving to a point of hopelessness. Because we've got one who said, I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. I have been on this side of the grave and I've been on that side of the grave. And I know that I am the one who can raise you on the last day. Put your faith in me. Put your trust in me. Now, I'm preaching to the choir this morning. And I know you all got a deep assurance. But maybe there's somebody here that doesn't know where they're going when they die. I want to tell you, it's Jesus who says, I am. He's claiming to be the God who spoke to Moses to speak to Pharaoh to set my people free. And you one of those people he wants to set free. The I am is knocking at your door. The I am says to you, I will illuminate the road before you. The I am says, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection. And if you need to know that I am, 
Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, put your faith in Him as Savior. Some are even dead in this life. And the greatest miracle is that those who are dead, Jesus said, I bring you life. And I'm going on to my next, second last scripture. In, ver- in number six, in John 14, verse six, Jesus said, because the context here was that he told them he's going to the Father, and Thomas said, but we don't know how to get to the Father. And they're having this conversation going on. And Jesus says, I am. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father through me. Can you see the resurrection power at work here? Jesus came to bring life. He came to bring life to people who were dead. Separated. Lost. In sin. And God became flesh. And He dwelt among us. And he said, I am the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Resurrection is in that life. When we make Jesus our Savior, we step into life and on into life. But even as born-again people, I use it figuratively, because you can never die again. But figuratively, maybe you feel dead. To you, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. You feeling drowsy, apathetic and you're feeling like your spiritual energy is gone. He says, I'm the life. You want to know what the Father's like? I'll show you because I'm the way. Not a way. Not one of the ways up the mountain. Not one of the paths to the top. There is only one way to the Father and that's through Jesus. He says, I am Yahweh. I am. I am the way. The only way to the Father. And I'm the truth. Everything else you heard about the Father is subject to man's speculation and man's interpretation. Jesus says, you want to know what the Father's like? Look at me because I'm the truth of everything He embodies. If you see me, you've seen the Father. I'm the truth of the Father. This picture you've had of, you know, when lightning strikes a car, that it's God's judgment. Or when a people group come under a sickness, it's God judging them. And, and, and when, you know, come on, look at Jesus, not at what religion says God is. Religion has got a terrible picture, a warped picture of a sadistic, uh, grotesque, monstrous God. One that I tried to serve for a couple of years and it nearly killed me. Hello? But when you find out that you don't know who the Father is, until you see Him in Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life, says Jesus. You will never know the Father. You'll never know the Father until you get to me. And then finally, number seven, in John chapter 15 and verse one, Jesus says, I am the true vine. Praise God. This must have been my favorite passage for many years. This passage in John, Jesus saying, I'm the vine. You know what happens to a branch when it's cut off from a vine? It withers. It gets sad. 
It loses its color. If there's something missing from our spiritual experience, I've got to ask, am I plugged in? Am I plugged into the vine? Is the life-giving sap? Because Jesus says, I'm the vine. Stay connected to me. If you stay connected to me, you will bear much fruit. And my Father will be glorified by your fruit. And by this you'll be known as my disciples. But you've got to stay plugged into me. Yes, but Steve, I thought Jesus was in me already. Yes, he is. But that doesn't mean you've plugged into a relationship with him. Let me tell you, after 30 years in the ministry, I know I've got to keep working at my relationship with Jesus. Don't I know some of you think... We wake up in the morning and we float four inches off the ground and we pack our halos away for the day. And the angels turn invisible because they don't want people to see us floating above the ground. Not true. We have to fight for our relationship. Who's been married longer than 30 years? What a miracle. Come on, that's a miracle. Praise God for that. You know what I'm talking about today. You had to work at something. And you still got to work at it. And you got to keep working at it. And I'm not considering divorce, but I've thought of murder many times. You got to work at it. Your relationship with Jesus. Anyway, I asked my wife permission to say that. So. He is the vine, and you stay plugged into him. And when you cut off from him, you wither. You lose your color. You lose your fruitfulness. Our little niece, our little granddaughter, who I thought was going to be here this morning, little Zoe, got a terrible infection in her mouth. And she was bleeding inside her mouth. She was closed. She got to hospital. She couldn't open her lips. It was almost bleeding. Open. And she couldn't, couldn't eat everything. Just burnt like crazy. And they put this little... Uh, drip in her arm. And the doctor said, it's fine. All she needs to keep her alive, even if she doesn't eat, we'll be able to nourish her. And she got healed pretty quickly and she was out of there in two days. But thank God for intravenous specialist doctor. Thanks, Jan, for the work you do. I love the medical profession. I think the fact that they've tapped into some of God's healing Techniques is awesome. But they can also learn a lot from the church. And the church needs to rise up and not only depend on their medical aid. But anyway, have I changed topic? Yes. Jesus says, I'm the vine and you the branches. If that vine is not inside of you, the nutrients and the life agents that you need to stay healthy and receive the right nutrition and the right uh, input is missing. And yes, I know Christ is in you, the hope of glory. But I'm saying, you work on that relationship. You go and read his love letter to you. Go read through the book of John again. Read through it. Let it soak into you. Abide in his word. Talk to him. Make time. Like every relationship, just work at that relationship. He says, if you do this, you will be fruitful. Lord, I thank you that you are a door that's going to open over people's lives as we put our trust in you. 
And where there's areas of darkness in our life right now, you're going to light up the world. And you're going to light it up. Come on, let's stand up together. I want to pray for you this morning.